70 AD when the Romans came in and destroyed the temple. And then I think it was the Crusaders that came a lot later and put bricks up and changed things around. But that's it there. You can still go to what was the beautiful gate today. Um, So what we're going to do is we're going to read Acts 3 together. So if you've got your Bibles, if you've got your, um, your phones, let's follow along. All right. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Um, I'm using NIV, so I encourage you to do that if you can. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, three in the afternoon. Now, man, crippled from birth, was being carried to the temple gate uh, called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him. As did John. Then Peter said to him, look at us. So the man gave them his full attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now, there's a couple of interesting things there. My first thought is if you look in chapter, sorry, verse 2, the wind's picking up. My apologies. Wind, the sun, there's a fly on my neck. I love doing church outside. You're like, what's up with that pastor? He's squinting. Hey, um, in verse uh, number two, what is something that we can learn? Well, here's a really interesting thing. So where a lot of stuff that happens in verse, uh, chapters three and four, um, you've got to remember that this is Jerusalem, what, maybe two to four months after Christ was there. So pretty much exactly the same. Um, Christ, we know that Jesus walked up and down those steps. It's recorded. Um, and we also know later on that this guy is the age of 40. We know that he's been put there every day. That's what scripture tells us. So if we know that he's been there every day, we also know that Jesus went there all the time. We know that Jesus healed people and could heal people, but he didn't heal this guy. We know he was there. We know he was literally sitting at those steps. He would have been there every day looking at everybody. Um, and later on where it says, spoiler alert, <clears throat> he gets healed. Uh, and everybody says, everybody knew who he was. So it wasn't like people didn't know, people knew who he was. So I asked the question, why, why didn't Jesus heal him when he was on earth? And I'm reminded that sometimes God's timing is God's timing. You know, he would have looked at that guy walking up the steps and probably prayed for some people, healed some people, and then looked at him and gone, not today, buddy. I'll see you in two months time. And it won't be me. It's going to be John and it's going to be Peter. And this miracle is going to start the birth of the church. And this guy's sitting here going, you know, can I have $2 um, or two denarii? And um, I'm just reminded that God has his own timing. Whatever your journey is with healing, physical healing, be reminded that God knows what he's doing when he's doing it. So I think that's quite cool in chapter two. All right. Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention. You know, there's a God moment there. The guy turned up to work that day, if you will, uh, expecting to get some money. And how many people know that sometimes God can take one moment and turn it completely upside down for good? It only takes one random moment. For those of you who are married or um, have had significant relationships, you know the way, the way you met your spouse was one just random moment. I went to parachute in 2009 with my friends, and I was cruising around, doing all this stuff, going on all the rides, eating hot dogs. And then I was going to go catch up with my friend Shannon, Shannon Thompson from Church Untamed in Cromwell. And uh, she wasn't there, but she had some girl like running the, the, the kiosk thing there. 
And I went up to her. I was like, hey. And she's like, can I have your number? I was like, whoa, calm down. And then she was like, hey, my name's Hannah. Da, 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 da. And one little moment, my whole life changed. Some random girl. I can, she's behind us right now, behind that curtain going, that didn't happen like that. <laughs> um, so, you know, one moment can change the world. And one moment can change your world. And that's what happened. And sometimes we think we know what we want, but God comes in with what we need. So be aware that sometimes God will change your plans and turn your world upside down. That's a good thing. Now, there's a problem. When Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus. If you want to write that down, why was using the name of Jesus a problem? Why was that an issue? You can have a think. Um, if you want to, you could read Philippians 2, 9, 11. It talks about the power that is Jesus' name, the name above all other names. And so when they're using that name, Jesus, remembering, what are we, a few months maybe after the crucifixion of Jesus, everybody knew who he was. In Matthew 27, it says there was an earthquake. Everybody was like, oh, do you remember the earthquake when they crucified that guy? Some people are saying it's because he was the son of God. Everybody knew. Do you know, just one really quick, interesting thing that I probably don't have time to say, but it's interesting to say anyway. I was reading an article last night um, about there's this technology that's been developed that um, pretty much within a month can dictate when earthquakes happened. They take core samples and they can look at sediment. Um, and they've found that there were two earthquakes um, in about a 30-year period. And they know that for sure there was one that happened 13 miles from Jerusalem um, at, I can't remember what the depth was, I think it was like six miles or something like that. Um, but the date they have for that was the 3rd of April, um, where is it? Yeah, the 3rd of April in the year 33. So there's like actual evidence, there's an earthquake recorded in Jerusalem um, in the 3rd of April, which I thought was cool, because the Bible tells us that there was an earthquake, which I thought was just, just cool. Alright, let's carry on. This... And Peter, silver or gold I do not have. Taking him by the right hand. Being a crippled his whole life, a disabled man his whole life, and he just yanks him up off the ground. And I love that um, uh, Luke is a physician. He's a doctor. And he describes quite clearly, he says, when he jumped up to his feet, he began to walk. Hang on, wait, so it helped him. And his feet and his ankles became strong. This is verse 8. He jumped up to his feet and began to walk. Then he went to, with them to the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. With all the people saw him walking and praising God. They recognized him as the same man um, who used to be sitting at the temple gate called Beautiful. Walking, praising God. Here's the thing at the top of page 2 on your, uh, on your study guide here. Um, don't focus on the gift, but rather focus on the gift giver. You know, I think if you had been healed and been able to walk for the first time in 40 years, I think you'd be forgiven for being super excited about how that's going to change your life. But he just praised God immediately. He just said, thank you, Jesus. So those two scriptures, walking and jumping and praising God, walking and praising God. Never forget, um, never look at the gift, look at the gift giver. And don't forget to praise God in the hard times and in the good times. All right. Um, Verse 10, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. They were all filled with wonder and amazement of what they saw. Then Peter, uh, while the beggar held on to Peter and to John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if it's by our own work? Immediately saying, 
This isn't us. This is God. Now, what I'd like you to do, have I got that on this page? Maybe it's further on. What I want you to do is have a wee think about every time they say that Jesus is God or that Jesus is um, Son of God or in the name of Jesus there was a healing because that's really important. They keep hammering it that Jesus is the Son of God and there's a reason for that because there is power in the name of Jesus. When Peter saw this, he said to the men of Israel, do not be surprised. I remember a few years ago, a number of years ago, um, we had a family member that was struggling to have babies. And um, Isaac, at the age of, I think he was about three or four, came up to us one morning and said, God told me that um, auntie blah, blah, blah is going to have a baby. We're like, well, that's that's nice. That's cool. And he said, yep. And I said, how'd you know? He said, well, God made my heart beep. I was like, what does that mean? He's like, my heart was beeping. And I was like, beating? And he's like, yeah, beeping. I was like, okay. And then afterwards, a few months later, we found out, hey, yes, this auntie is pregnant. And he'd said that she was going to have a little baby boy. And we said, Isaac, how amazing is that? You were right. He's going to have a little baby boy. She's going to have a little baby boy. And he was like, yeah, so? And we were like, well, what do you mean? And he was like, well, God said it. So of course it's going to come true. And we were like, oh, yeah. And he was, and I was like, aren't you like stoked that God can talk to you? And he says, well, the Bible says that God can talk to you. So, and just looked at us like, we weirdos. And I was like, oh my gosh, childlike faith. He's like, no, if God said it, it's going to happen. And he wasn't even surprised that it happened to a point where he was like, okay, I'm going to continue watching Paw Patrol now. Um, We're like, it was amazing. And so Peter says, why are you even surprised? Um... When Peter saw this, he said to the men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Um, why do you stare it as if it's a, a power of our own godliness? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of your fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed as you disowned him before Pilate. Though he had decided to let him go, you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. If you look on page two, the Greek word for author is archegos. If you want to write that down, it's like um, uh, A-R-C-H-E-G-O-S, archegos. And in this context, it means the originator, the originator of life. How crazy is it that they killed the originator of life? But he had a plan. All right. God of Abraham, you handed him over. Uh, you disowned the holy and righteous one, and you disowned uh, and you asked that a murderer. You killed the author of life, verse 15. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus Christ, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name, the faith that comes through him, that has given this complete healing, uh, t- healing to him, as all can see. You know, what's the interesting thing about verse 16? As Peter doesn't say it's the faith of the person receiving the healing. He even goes as far as to say, it's not even me, but I have a gift from God. Jesus gave me a gift. It's his gift. So you read that there on the page. By faith in the name of Jesus, that this man you see and know was made strong. In Jesus' name and the, the faith that comes through him that has made has completely healed him and all can see. I just think that's really cool that when you're praying for healing, uh, it's not even your faith necessarily. Um, it's a gift of faith. So asking God, say, Jesus, can you please give me? I don't know if I have the faith, but can I have that gift of faith to see this come into fruition? 
Alright. Getting towards the end of chapter 3. Um... Now, brothers, verse 17, I know that you acted in ignorance, um, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through the prophets, saying that this Christ would suffer. Verse 19, repent then and turn to God uh, so that your sins may be wiped out and the refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago in his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up you a prophet like me from among your own people, and you must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Verse 24, indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many have spoken, have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets of the covenant God that he made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, God raised up his servant. He sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. What's Peter doing in verse 3? 18 to 24. He is giving the case for Christ. He is giving the case for the messianic fulfillment of the Messiah. He's saying, Abraham said this, and he quotes um, in that scripture, he quotes uh, Psalm 23, Isaiah 50, Isaiah 53, which a lot of these people would have known. And he's saying, this is your Messiah. And people were listening because in verse four, uh, sorry, chapter four, let's move on. Uh, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed. Everybody say disturbed. Disturbed isn't a bad thing. Right? Like you can disturb. Like we, we, we have goldfish at our house and occasionally cats like to try and catch them. And occasionally they do. And sometimes I come out there and I disturb them. And it's not a bad thing. Maybe I disturbed them with my dog. Maybe I disturbed them with a rock. Maybe I disturbed them with my angry yelling. Um, but I disturbed them away. And um, I, I just love that Jesus is often a disruption to the things of the world. And, you know, I think we can all agree in times like that we're in, we need Jesus' disruption um, to the plans of the world. So I love that um, they were greatly disturbed. That makes me happy. And they became, uh, they were greatly disturbed because of the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Now, a quick thing about the Sadducees. Um, in the Gospels, we see the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are the religious leaders. The Sadducees, you might think, are fairly similar. Few fundamental differences. The Sadducees um, were far more political. They aligned themselves with Rome. Uh, the Sadducees also, um, they made a lot of the rules in the temple. And the Sadducees, interestingly enough, did not believe in a resurrected Messiah. They could, didn't believe in resurrection. And so they were obviously unhappy. They didn't really believe in miracles. And they're looking at one. So they're confused. Uh, but the Sadducees were just unhappy. They didn't know what was happening, but they were unhappy. They knew that much. Ah, oh, thank you. I had written that down, but then I was like, I'm not going to make that dad joke. But now I'll do it. Yeah. They didn't know Jesus and they were sad, you see. Uh, but many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law. Now, I missed a bit, didn't they? They were greatly disturbed. They seized. I oh, don't know. No, that's fine. We'll carry on. Verse number five. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Anas and the high priest was there, and so was Cepheus. There's a whole thing. You're supposed to be a high priest your whole life. But Anas, he was um, 
demoted by the Romans and his son-in-law Cepheus was put in place. Alexander and other men of the high priest family, they had Peter and John brought together and they began to question them. By what power, what name do you do this? And remember that Philippians verse that there is no other name, there is no other power like Jesus. Hey, the interesting thing, if you um, go to page number three on your um, workbooks there, you'll see the first time the church has entered a new era. So remembering this is the church, for, you know, two months old. Anyone want to guess what the word is? Persecution. Good work, Benjamin. A plus. The word is persecution. Now, the church saw persecution for, yeah, okay, if you need help, P-E-R-S-E-C-U-T-I-O-N. Um, for the first time, uh, that was the first persecution. They were put in jail. Yes, Jesus was persecuted, but the church for the first time was persecuted right here. This is where it happens. The first one. For 300 years, and if you know anything of the disciples, I think, was it one disciple made it out alive? Um, they all got killed. Um, and so um, the persecution starts. 300 years of intense persecution starts right there. So there's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And what they didn't like is that they were preaching a kingdom, an upside-down kingdom. In Matthew 23, uh, it talks about how... Um, the first shall be last. It talks about how Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And this is this upside down kingdom. And they didn't like it. Why didn't they like it? Because they had all the power and all the systems that they had created. And here these guys are healing people randomly um, and they weren't happy about it. I've written the work of God, uh, sorry, the work of the kingdom of God will always invite some form of persecution because it's not of the world. But they believed and I love that they believed. You know, it really, it just, hang on, we'll carry on. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, I love that, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple, and we asked who he, uh, how he was healed, then know this, right? Then know this. He's in the Sadducees thing. He's right in the Sanhedrin. He's in the law thing, uh, in the, um, the legal rooms. He's in trouble. He sends this, and he's supposed to be on the defensive, but he doesn't. You know, what's, the, what's that old saying? The best def defense is, is offense. And this is what he does. He goes straight for the throat. Um, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. He is that man. Uh, sorry, uh, that man, uh, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. You know, a cornerstone um, literally is there to knit two walls together. It's a corner, right? And so this cornerstone was knitting two things together to become three. And this is Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else. Remember how revolutionary this was. You know, it's, it had been Yahweh. It was the Torah. None of this Christian stuff was really well known. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under the name of um, heaven that is given to men by which we are saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unskilled, ordinary men, and that they, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. People take note when you spend time with Jesus. It's quite simple. People notice, and people will say, I don't know this. You know, I knew something was different about you. I knew that. We, we had a real estate agent come around to our house the other day, and uh, 
about halfway through, I was like, oh, you're a Christian, I can tell. And he was like, I thought you guys were Christians. And uh, it was great. Our little half an hour conversation was like two hours long because we're talking about church stuff and, and uh, the kingdom. It was awesome. Okay. So they uh, were, were they? They're astonished. They the, the Jesus, but since they verse fourteen, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. You know, testimony is really powerful, and um, you know, one thing I want to say about um, what's his name, Peter. <laughs> what's the difference between Peter in the gospel, the Peter who stood in Matthew by the fire, and deny Jesus three times to the Peter in Acts where he's standing in front of those guys it's the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit Peter went from hiding by the fire to being the fire when you have had an actual encounter with the Holy Spirit with Jesus you're on fire and things and places and situations can only but change turn the page Page number four. I was thinking about the Sadducees and I think, how did they get there? Thinking about the Pharisees, how did they get there? And I wrote this down. Don't ever get so caught up in the process and the protocol and the position you may have that you forget where that we are here for his presence, his people, and his purpose. They got so concerned about process, protocol, and position, they forgot that they're here for God's presence, God's people, and God's purpose. Every time you... Um, oh, yeah, we'll move that. Let's it together. Spending time with Jesus changes your life. I remember um, when I got ordained in 2015, I was a little nervous because two of the people on the NLT were pastors of mine from Invercargill. And if you haven't heard my testimony, I was that kid, that young, young teenager who got saved. You were like... You know, you don't want to say it, but you're in the back of your mind thinking, he's not going to last. Um, he's only here for the ladies. True. <laughs> but um, God got, got a hold of my heart. But I was nervous when I uh, had to go through my ordination process because both of these guys knew me then. And I caught up with Lyle and I got through. And I caught up with Lyle, Pastor Lyle Penasula, who was my past, my youth group pastor, a few months later. And I said to him, bro, i got to be honest, I was a little bit worried. And he was like, Why? And I was like, because of, you know, what I used to be like and all that sort of stuff. We're now talking 15 years later. And he's like, nah, it just looks like now that you've been spending time with Jesus. You, your life looks like you've spent time with Jesus and it's changed. He said, man, I'm so excited. And I remember just coming away from that, being really surprised, being like, oh, no, he's right. Like, so what? Um, I was changed by Jesus. And um, when you spend time with Jesus, your life changes. All right. First then Peter filled, salvation is found in the one true one. Uh, verse 13, when they saw their courage, yes. Verse 15, so they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows that they've done an outstanding miracle. Good news spreads. And we cannot deny it, but to stop this thing from spreading and any further um, among them, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. So they called them back again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves. Whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. What he's saying is, am I meant to obey you or am I meant to obey God? You are asking me to deny my Savior. You're drawing a line in the sand and you're telling me to step on the side. And he basically goes, mm-mm-mm, not going to happen. 
So he was in like a courtroom and they're telling him to do this. But here's the thing. He appealed to the Supreme Court that it is God. He said, no, I'm not going to deny God. I'm not going to do what might be safe. I'm not going to do what might be popular. I'm not going to do what might be easy. Those things are the, that makes sense, right? The common sense is, well, okay, we don't want to lose our lives. We don't want to put all our friends in danger. But if you look there halfway down page four, um, let's not do what is safe, but what is right. Not what is popular, but what is right. Not what is easy, but what is right. Not what is always done, but what is right. And then they go back. For the men who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. Basically threatened them. Um, and when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer and said, Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You were great. They gave him praise in that moment. You spoke to the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, David. You know what I love um, down the bottom there on page four? In verse 24, the church's first instinct wasn't to raise their voices to the authorities, but rather to the ultimate authority. They didn't try and go to everybody else. They went straight to God and said, we give you praise. And if you read the next bits of scripture, see if you can see how many times they ask for God to remove them from the situation. They've basically been told you're going to be killed. You're going to get a really hard time. We're going to close down your businesses. We're going to persecute you. How many times in this next little bit of scripture did they ask in their prayer to be saved in this moment? Listen. See if you can pick up how many times. You make heaven uh, through the David. Um, and then they quote David in that little bit there. Verse 27, their prayer continues. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your Holy Spirit. Uh, sorry, against your Holy Servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will decided before the hand should happen. Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand um, and heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. After they prayed, the place that they were meeting in was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and the word of God boldly. They didn't even ask, God, take me out of the circumstance. They said, God, grow us in this circumstance. Make us stronger in the circumstance. Do miracles and wonders in this circumstance. We want to be your people. The believers shared uh, their possessions together. All the believers who were uh, in one heart and mind. No one claimed any of his possessions was his own. They shared everything with great power. The apostles continued to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 34, there was no needy person above them. Above them. This is similar to Acts 2.42. And put it at, um, at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed amongst anyone. Then we got this random scripture here. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus. Uh, Cyprus, um, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of the encouragement, sold a field he owned and bought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. You might be thinking that's a little bit random, but that is ties us right into um, chapter number five, which um, we will get to in a couple of weeks. Oh, is that page, which page is that for? Ah, yeah, yeah. Okay, hang on. Oh, yes, sorry, I missed that. Okay, here's, here's a good point. Thank you, Pastor Linden. 
The problem of testimony. Here's the thing. The problem of testimony is a problem for the Sadducees because the testimony was standing right there. Everybody knew him. So no matter what you try and argue with people, sometimes you're never going to get there. But you cannot argue with a testimony. Your testimony is yours. It is true. And you stand in that. I'm a testimony. I also put the problem because also um, testimony can be a problem too. We know there's a testimony standing there. Did they believe? Did they believe that testimony? The Sadducees. Did they did they believe in the one true living God, Jesus? No, they didn't. And he was standing there. However, we know that five thousand people were added to the church. So five thousand were, there's about seventy in the Sanhedrin. So a very small percentage didn't. But here's the thing even if you have a miracle, I chopped my arm off and, and God grew it back in front of everyone, there's always going to be someone with a hardened heart. Who's just going to go, no, no, because my, my, my position is threatened in that, or I've got, I, my eyes are blinded to it. So I always say, you know, your testimony can't be argued with, but it sometimes can be chosen not to be seen. Um, are we going to do worship? Do we have time for worship? Or I'm looking at you, worship director. Yes? All right, well, then why don't you jump up on the guitar? I don't know about you guys, but I'm hot. You're all in the shade. Yeah. Why don't you just take a moment while we get the worship team up to glance over chapter 3 and 4 and what stands out in these passages for you. Feel free to write something. For me, my main takeaway down the bottom there is simply this. It's very simple. I tried to make it as simple as I could. I wrote this like 13 times and I tried to get it shorter and shorter. They've got to have something about boldness and courage, right? There was a boldness and courage that Peter and John showed. Time plus encounter equals boldness. Time in God's presence will make you bold, make you courageous. You don't go into spending time with God to be bold and courageous. It's a natural overflow. The difference between Peter and the New Testament, sorry, Peter and the Gospels and the Peter in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit. When you spend time with the Spirit, when you spend time with God's presence, you are made bold. Why don't we stand to our feet? My prayer today, Lord, is that you would be our boldness, that you would be our courage. Lord, I just get the sense that there are conversations over the fence that are going to happen this week, conversations with contractors, conversations with workmates, with kids who don't want to have anything to do with your kingdom. Lord, we pray that as we spend time in your presence, we would be bold and we would be courageous. Lord, we pray for those gifts, that we would share who you are and that we would be reminded in Acts 3 and 4 about the name that is above all other names, 
And I want to speak that over everybody watching today. Whatever situation and environment you're in, I want to speak the name that is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Lord's name that is above all other names into that situation. So like anything we do with this sort of thing, my question is, is what's next? What do you take away from this? What can you do? What is God talking to you about, about being bold, about being courageous? Is it spreading his word? Is it just spending more time with him? That's where boldness comes from. We see that with Peter. We see that with John. Please, thank you, Worship Team.